0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. I hope everyone had a relaxing and enjoyable Labor Day weekend. Maybe got out, got a chance to take part in the Detroit Jazz Festival, or maybe Arts Beats and Eats out in Oakland County. Now it's back to school, back to work, and into the fall season. An election season here in the, season, in the city of Detroit. Lots of other things going on in Lansing and Washington. And of course, here on Detroit Today, we will be on top of all of those things, talking with you about issues that you and I both care about and know that they matter. If you're just heading into work or have to get on with your day otherwise, remember you can always still hear today's full edition of Detroit Today on the Detroit Today podcast. If you go to iTunes, Or wherever it is that you download podcasts, you can download and subscribe to Detroit Today and take us with you. You can listen to us whenever you are ready. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about faith, the idea of faith. What does faith mean when we say we are Christian or Muslim or Buddhist? Does it demonstrate itself when there are disasters and we all sort of rally around the victims? Or is it something that we have to demonstrate every day? We're going to talk with a number of different people about their perspectives on that issue. And of course, we're going to want to hear from you. How do you demonstrate your faith? Is it in times of crisis? Is it in times where people are in need? Or is that something that you think shapes the decisions you make about what your life looks like all the time? Again, you you're going to want to make sure that you are part of that conversation. It'll kick off around half past the hour, but first we want to talk about Line Five, the gas and natural, uh, the natural gas and oil line that runs underneath the Straits of Mackinac. The growing concern over that line has reached a new level. Last week, Enbridge Energy confirmed that its Line Five pipeline is missing some protective coating in several areas, and there is bare metal exposed to the elements in some parts of that pipeline. The news was enough to prompt Governor Rick Snyder to say he's greatly concerned about the pipeline, and he has, quote, directed state departments to accelerate an aggressive review of Enbridge operations and maintenance procedures throughout the state. Remember, Governor Rick Snyder hasn't said a whole lot about Line 5 up until now, has said it's something worth thinking about and evaluating. He went further last week and said, look, this is a issue of great concern. Is it time to shut down this 60-year-old pipeline? Why hasn't it been shut down already? Think of the number of people, think of the number of public officials who have said that it's time to end Line 5's life. Uh, what would the environmental and economic benefits look like and consequences of shutting down the line if we did it? And we should note that we did invite a representative from Enbridge to come on the show today to talk about this issue, but they did not respond to our invitation. That, of course, does not stop us from discussing the issue. And so here to help us make sense of what's going on with Line 5 are Phil Roos, who is board president of the Michigan League of Conservation. Also with us is Jason Hayes. He's an environmental policy director for the Mackinac Center for Public Policy, a group that promotes free market policies in Michigan. Phil and Jason, both of you, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Thank, Thank you
0: for you. having yeah. to be here. Yeah. Uh, Phil, I want to I start with you. You support the idea of shutting down uh, line five, but talk about what the, what that would look like. What would have to happen uh, to get the, the, the resources that we get through line five? How would we get them onto the lower part of North America, if not through the Straits of Mackinac?
1: Well, there are a number of different alternatives for transporting the oil, um, and these were outlined in uh, the, uh, the governor's task force on pipeline safety uh, that was charged with, as part of their, their charge, was to evaluate six different options. And from publicly available data, it does appear that there's enough capacity, there's excess capacity on other lines that could transport uh, the oil that goes through Michigan as it turns out uh contrary to some of what we've heard from Enbridge which suggests that Michigan's economy in some way and supply of oil in some way depends on that line a fairly small percentage of uh, the actual oil that goes through the line goes through is actually used in Michigan uh-huh. uh, most of it goes through Sarnia Ontario it's it's oil from the Tar Sands region of Alberta that just is mostly a pass-through Michigan uh, sent to eastern Canada and then for export. Uh, so in terms of disruption to our economy in Michigan, there's really uh, nothing to speak of there. Very what, little what, of the oil actually is used here.
0: What about the natural gas aspect of it?
1: Yeah, so the one of the the same thing with natu- natural gas, and uh, a lot has been said about uh Propane for the Upper Peninsula, a lot of homes and businesses depend on that. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, uh, based on calculations that, uh, that uh, several experts have, have, have used, uh, we're talking about maybe one rail car of propane that would need to be shipped uh, across the state to, to satisfy that uh, demand. It's one rail car a day. So it's quite minimal, and there are other sources of supply for, for propane.
0: Yeah, uh, Jason Hayes, you do not support the idea of shutting down Line Five. You also think that if we were to try to move these natural resources in a different way, that it might be as dangerous as what we're doing through the Straits of Mackinac, or perhaps more dangerous. Tell me, tell me why.
2: Yeah, there was um, actually a, a recent report that was done by um, Dynamic Risk that was out evaluating alternatives for the, the pipeline. And uh, the report actually looked at the possibilities of using rail and that sort of thing. And those options were rejected outright. They, they said that's that's not a realistic opportunity just because of the flows. I believe one of the, the reports said that for the volumes going through line five, uh, you would have to have, uh, like for example, tanker trucks a one tanker truck leaving, um, every 40 seconds, 24 hours a day. That was in, uh, again, the dynamic analysis report. So, I mean, different experts obviously are coming up with different numbers, but, um, the, the options of just shut shuttling the, the oil somewhere else have been looked at and rejected by other experts. So, um, in the the sense that uh, you know, yes, I do support continuing to use line five, but under extremely hyper vigilant kind of uh, you know you got to make sure that everything is going exactly as it should, and things like the recent pressure test, uh, those sorts of things are just you know the the basics that have to be done to ensure that. That oil or those natural gas liquids are being safely moved through the straits.
0: Yeah. Uh, Phil Roos, at the same time, making sure that the line is safe has been part of the problem here. Enbridge has not been terribly t- transparent all the time about what's going on with the line. And the state has not really pushed as hard as it probably could. To be sure that we know exactly what is going on with that line at all times, and I'm thinking, of course, of course, uh, about the news last week that there is this protective coating that may be missing on several parts of the line. Back in the spring, Enbridge said that wasn't the case. Now they say it is. How how can we regulate the pipeline better than we than we do?
1: Yeah, well, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the, the, there's been a, uh, this latest bombshell about the uh, exposed metal is just the latest in a, a long series of, uh, of sort of a pattern of lack of transparency about both the condition of the line and the, what exactly is flowing in it through it at any point in time and the amounts flowing through it. Uh, we've got a line that's past its useful life, uh, that wasn't built to withstand the actual speed of the currents that are in the Straits of Mackinac right now. Mm-hmm. And, and you've, we've all heard the, the data that uh, there's a uh, tremendous oscillating currents in the, in the Straits. Uh, they're uh, at times 10 times the flow of Niagara Falls, but going back and forth uh, uh, on a, every few days, making... Any kind of recovery efforts uh, really uh, impossible, uh, and the other thing that that has done is that it has uh, moved some of the supports that were in place over time to hold up the pipeline, so that it doesn't just slump down and bend, uh, and that's the and create corrosion, which can then create a spill. And uh, there's been plenty of documentation showing that the pipeline actually bent in multiple places uh that uh there's been significant stress on the pipeline because of the supports falling out. Uh in fact this line and, and here I'm not even talking about the part of the straits, we're talking about a line, line five, that goes from Superior Wisconsin to Sarnia, Ontario, that has had twenty-nine spills on it since nineteen sixty eight, totaling one point one million gallons of oil, only one of which was detected by Enbridge. And thank God, none of it has been under the Straits of Mackinac, but that's really the concern here, is uh, there has been a pattern of uh, lack of transparency, of uh, saying that things were taken care of or under control, and they they really weren't, and this is just the the latest of those. And I guess the other concerning thing is that this was uh, through, um, it appears to have been human error, um, and... I don't know how you um, don't realize when it's happening that there is a one-foot section in in multiple areas where uh, you've had a mistake that has actually led us down to bare metal um, and that can very easily lead to a spill.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jason Hayes, what about the idea that continuing to do this is essentially playing Russian roulette, that if you had a leak, in that line, given where it is, given the currents that run through that area, that the, the devastation that would ensue is just incomparable to anything else. I mean, if you had a, a truck that was carrying oil or natural gas and had an accident, a, a, a train that did that, those would be really bad disasters, but they would be nothing like having oil, in particular, leak into the Great Lakes through that point, which would spread pretty quick. And if you didn't get it capped uh, quickly, I mean, you, you, could, you could pollute all the way, perhaps, to the St. Lawrence Seaway. Uh, why isn't that the, the overriding concern here? And then why isn't that the way that we ought to be thinking about this to say, we got to do something different?
2: Yeah, that absolutely, would be catastrophic if there was a spill. There's no doubt about that. Um, so that's why um, various levels of government are maintaining a pretty close view on what's happening there. It's not just Enbridge that's paying attention. It's state level, federal government um, regulators, and um, you know they're they're the ones that are overseeing the tests that are being done by independent third party, you know, that are doing the the studies, Uh, Enbridge is funding the results and, or sorry, funding the tests, and then they're being carried out by independent third parties. So um, when you stop and look at, you know, all of the, it's not just uh, the the fact that there could be a spill, there are also the fact that I believe Phil even talked about it earlier. There are other people using uh, the energy that goes through this. It's not just oil going to Sarnia. I mean, some of the numbers that I've read say that 30% of the oil coming from the pipe stops at Marathon's refinery in the Detroit area. Um, we already discussed the, the 65% uh, or, you know, in that area of People in the UP that use the propane or natural gas liquids that are coming through. Fifty-five percent in uh, in the mitten use the propane that's going through. So it's not just that we're pushing natural gas liquids and oil through the pipeline just for the fun of it. We're doing it for a reason, and that's the energy that comes from there. Uh, the benefits that flow from the energy, whether, you know, affordable, reliable uh, electricity that we're getting as we move more and more away from coal in our generation facilities to natural gas, we're going to rely even more on, on gas and pipelines that, that move that gas. I mean, there's, there's several reasons why we're doing this. And again, it's not just because, you know, we're, we're doing it just to... To you know, get a thrill from the risk. There's more to it that, that uh, you know the reasons behind it. So that's why it's being done. And when we stop and you know take a breath, take a step back, we ask, what are the costs and the benefits? I mean, we talked about some of the the moving oil through rail or something like that. Truck traffic uh, related to rail movement has a an accident rate 20 times that. Of pipelines. Uh, rail traffic has doubled the number of accidents. So, you know, there's, there's reasons for why we're doing. I mean, the, the company in the first place was invited by the state to build the pipeline so that we could reduce traffic, uh, tanker traffic on the Great Lakes. So moving forward, again, the, the hypervigilant testing is absolutely essential. And uh, as others, I mean, uh, Attorney General Schutte has said we we should close the line, but we need to find a, a replacement for it. Like, how do we go about starting to plan for the retirement and replacement of the line? So those are the things that that I am arguing when I'm writing about this or investigating it is if we're going to replace it and we're going to close it down, then we need to find some way to replace that volume. Yeah.
0: This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. Uh, My guests are uh, Phil Roos. And Jason Hayes, Phil Roos, uh, works with the League of Conservation Voters. Jason Hayes is with the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. We're talking about Line 5, which runs under the Straits of Mackinac, carries oil and gas across that delicate piece of our Great Lakes system. Uh, What should we do with Line 5? It's old. Enbridge, which operates the line, has said that there is some damage to it that they didn't expect to find and hadn't found before. Do we think it's time to find a better way to get those kind of resources down to the lower part of North America? Or is Line 5 okay? Can we manage that through greater regulation, greater transparency? 313-577-1019 is the number if you want to join the conversation. That's 313 313- Five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and uh, and put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, 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 Jason and Phil, before I let you go, I wanna I wanna ask you about the uh, the possibilities here. Are, are we likely to see the state do something that would end Line Five and force us to do something else? Or is this something that we're just going to live with for many more years? Phil, I'll start with you.
1: Yeah, one certainly hopes so. Uh, you know, in my uh, the organization, I'm affiliated with League of Conservation Voters. Part of our work is to help elect and then also educate and hold accountable elected officials. Uh, and when we look at our federal elected officials, uh, they have uh, many of them have stepped up to the plate on this recognizing the risk, notably Senators Peters, Stabenow, Congresswoman Dingell, uh, and and Congressman Trott. It's a nonpartisan issue. When we look at the state level, we were encouraged to see the governor uh, uh, make a strong statement in light of this recent event, uh, but the authority to make a decision to shut down the line, to decommission it, and obviously to do it in a thoughtful way, uh, Resides squarely with the attorney general, and while he has made some statements about uh, uh, we should shut it down, he's even said this would never have been commissioned in the first place if it were done today. Um, it, we haven't seen the action there, and I, I know our organization. That's one of the things we'll look for is some in some concrete action. He can do it honestly with a stroke of a pen. Uh, It's fully within his authority. There have been uh, clear violations of the original easement uh, that gave Enbridge the right to put that pipeline through the straits. Uh, There's uh, something called the public trust doctrine, which gives the attorney general in the state of Michigan the authority to, and in fact, the obligation to protect uh, the state uh, residents and businesses that could be affected if a uh, resource is impaired there's there's been a lot of evidence of that and then on the alternatives uh, when I f- forgot to say earlier it's just, it's I think it's pretty important the, this alternatives report that suggests uh, that there some of these other alternatives aren't uh, viable. That has been pretty universally panned by a number of experts. Even the state, in a pretty strong rebuke, uh, came out and said that they had not, the, the dynamic risk, the consultant that had done that work, had not done. Uh, a deep analysis at all of the alternatives uh, seem to be representing Enbridge's commercial interests instead of the, thinking about the impact on the states uh, on the state and its residents we 're talking about millions of Michiganers that depend on uh, the Great Lakes for their drinking water. Forty million people f- uh, from the U.S. and Canada. It's critical to our tourism industry, to our basic way of life. Uh, what we're getting is all the risk from this pipeline and really none of the economic benefit. I think the numbers that uh, that uh, uh, Jason had, had cited, uh, that's an, another example of something that's really been a moving target. Our, uh, several experts have suggested the actual amount of Oil that is actually going into Michigan and for use at Marathon and other places is much more like 10 percent. And that number seems reported by Enbridge seems to have grown over time as public pressure has the reported number of how much is going through. The reported impact on our state has grown over time. And uh, one worries about whether there's full
2: transparency there.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jason Hayes, is is this something we're going to see the state take action against, or is this going to go on?
2: Well, I believe that, um, I mean, if you look at the the comments from, I guess, the the people that are running for governor, uh, they've been pretty clear in that they want to see something done. I mean, uh, Attorney General Schutte has said he wants a plan to retire the line, uh, and then, as I noted in my last comment, to replace it with something that will still provide the energy that that Michiganders do use and uh, are relying on, um, because I mean, as Phil noted, that the water resources are absolutely essential, not just to Michiganders but also to um, you know any state or province that's um, adjacent to the Great Lakes. But I mean. Again, going back to the amount of natural gas liquids that people in the UP and people in uh, lower Michigan are are using, in th- that that's providing a central energy that people need to keep their families going, basically. Uh, so it's not, as I said, we're not just taking this risk just for the fun of it. Uh, there are economic and energy reasons for doing this. Yeah. So, I mean... But looking again at the people that are running for public office, I mean, I mean Whitmer has been, I believe, pretty clear sure. that uh, she would want the, the line closed or changed. But I believe any of the people who are running for uh, public office recognize that there are values on both sides of the issue. So, yeah. yes, we recognize the absolute essential nature of keeping the Great Lakes clean, but we also recognize the essential nature of providing affordable, abundant, reliable energy yes. for the people in the state of Michigan. And you okay. get, I mean, that's that's one of those things that okay. it's uh, not an easy choice to make of, so course, we're, of course we're trying to make intelligent decisions
0: yeah. okay phil Roos of the league of conservation voters jason hayes of the mackinac center thank you both for being here on detroit today all right thank you up next we're going to talk about how religion instructs people's lives in times of disaster and great tragedy compared to how it instructs their lives every day how do we demonstrate what our faith means to us it's next on detroit today stay with us